International Baptist College is a dynamic ministry of Tri-City Baptist Church in Chandler. IBC offers three Bachelor of Arts degrees and four graduate degrees. The professors at IBC desire to teach students how to think, live, and lead from a conservative biblical worldview. Whether you are pursuing a degree or laying a biblical foundation for your life, IBC will mentor you into ministry. Please check out our website at ibconline.edu or call 1-800-IBC-4858 for more information. What could have happened on this day could have made it so there wouldn't have been any other days. Israel as a nation could have been, for all practical purposes, wiped out as a nation on this day. An entire nation uh, was preserved. Celeste Montague. Welcome to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, featuring the teaching of senior pastor Dr. Kevin Shaw. Dare to Stand is on the radio to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to all who will listen, to carefully teach the truth of God's Word, and to encourage a healthy lifestyle of worshiping and honoring God. For more details about Dare to Stand or the ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church, please visit www.daretostand.org or call the church at 623-581-3115. You can receive a free MP3 copy of today's message or the entire series in MP3 format for a small fee by contacting the church. Well, today we begin to conclude our study in the book of Esther with a final lesson titled, Remembering Deliverance. This account of God's deliverance for the Jews was critical to the history of the Jews. Had the Lord not intervened, the Jews might very well have been wiped off the face of the earth permanently at this point in history. So let's listen as Dr. Shaw reads to us from our text in Esther, Chapter 9. Esther chapter 9. Let's turn there. Esther chapter 9. This is our last message in the book of Esther. Esther chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. Esther chapter 9 beginning in verse 1. Now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put in execution in the day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary that the Jews had rule over them that hated them, the Jews gathered themselves together in their cities throughout all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus to lay hand on such as sought their hurt. And no man could withstand them, for the fear of them fell upon the people, all the people. And the rulers of the provinces and the lieutenants and the deputies and officers of the king helped the Jews because the fear of Mordecai fell upon them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out through all the provinces, for this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Thus the Jews smote all their enemies with the stroke of the sword, 
and slaughter and destruction and did what they would to those that hated them. I want you to skip down with me to verse 12. And the king said unto Hester, the queen, the Jews have slain and destroyed 500 men in Shushan the palace. And the ten sons of Haman, what have they done to the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is thy petition? Uh, by the way, probably it's saying that the ten sons of Haman were slain as well. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. And it shall be granted thee, and what is thy request? Then Esther, if it please the king, let it be granted to the Jews, which are in Shushan, to do tomorrow according as, uh, as this day's decree, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged upon the gallows. And the king commanded it, and it was so it was done, and the decree was given Shushan, and they hanged Haman's ten sons. For the Jews that were in Shushan gathered themselves together on the fourteenth day, of the main Adar and slew three hundred men at Shushan, but on the but on the prey they laid not their hand. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives, and had rest from their enemies, and slew of their foes seventy and five thousand, but they laid not their hands on the prey or the spoil. Verse twenty, we'll skip down to verse twenty. And Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the provinces of King Hashwares, both nigh and far, to establish this among them, that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month Adar and the fifteenth day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies, and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joy and from mourning into a good day, that they should make them days of feasting and joy, of sending portions one to another, and gifts to the poor. And the Jews undertook to do as they had begun, and as Mordecai had written unto them, because Haman the son of Hamaditha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them, and had cast poor, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. But when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that this wicked device, that his wicked device which he devised against the Jews should be returned upon his own head, that he and his sons should be hanged upon the gallows, Wherefore they called these days Purim, after the name Pur, that means the lot. Therefore, all the words of this letter, and of that which they had seen concerning this matter, and which had come unto them, the Jews ordained and took upon them, and upon their seed, and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail, that they would keep these two days according to their writing, and according to their appointed time every year. And that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city. And that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihail, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote all authority with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters unto all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Hazuerus with words of peace and truth to confirm these days of Purim in their times appointed according as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them and as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the manners of the fastings and their cry and the decree of Hester confirmed these matters of Purim and it was written in the book. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you bless and help us to understand the words that are here in the lesson for us. As children of your word and children of the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We have the celebration here of Purim, which, by the way, is continuing to be celebrated even to this day. Uh, it created actually an international incident. Um, the nation of Iran, I don't know if you've noticed this in the news recently, considers this a day of the celebration of a slaughter, the celebration of a genocide. 
By the way, it's not the celebration of a slaughter or celebration of genocide. It's a celebration of deliverance. You say, how do you know that's the case? I know that's the case because of the days that are chosen. The day of the slaughter was the 13th of the month. The day of peace as a result of the killing of the enemies of the Jews was the 14th and 15th of the month. They don't celebrate the day of the slaughter. They celebrate the deliverance the days after the killing of those that were their enemies. Now, let's just, just for a moment, let's go back and think about what is going on here. We do know that there was something God knew. We have the providence of God throughout the entire book of Esther. And the name of God is not mentioned in the entire book. You say, by the way, it, it, is, it takes a particular skill to tell this whole story without mentioning the name of God. You have to really work at it to tell the whole story without mentioning the name of God. The, na- the name of God is not mentioned in this book on purpose. Because it's giving us this, this picture of how God works unseen behind the scenes, yet so obviously there. And we just think of the ways in which God has been obviously there throughout the whole story. For, in- for instance, in the very beginning... God knew what calamities were going to come to the Jews before they actually had come. So that King Xerxes, or Hasuerus in this passage of Scripture, calls a great festival, a, a great party, and there's a celebration, and his queen Vashti comes, uh, refuses to come and be exposed before all of the king's, all of the king's nobles, and of course she is deposed, and then you have the beauty contest, and Esther is put into the place not only is Esther put in, into place as queen, but she's given authority in that place of, of the queen in that she has the favor of the king. In all of this process, Mordecai overhears a plot to take the life of the king Ahasuerus, and he reports that, and providentially, um, the, the plot is foiled, and the records are kept. And then he's not rewarded. But even not being recognized or not being rewarded is part of God's work. Because if he'd been recognized and rewarded at the moment, then deliverance couldn't have come later. Of course, then Haman is promoted to a, great, a place of great honor in the land. And Haman is so proud and so arrogant and such a hater of the Jews that when he sees that Mordecai refuses to bow down to him, he plots not only to take the life of Mordecai, but take the lives of all of the Jews in the whole province of Persia, which could have easily numbered in the millions at this time. Haman's attempt to commit genocide against the Jews might have resulted in a holocaust of unrecoverable proportions. But God was moving on behalf of his people through Queen Esther. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with more. You're listening to Dare to Stand with Dr. Kevin Shaw as we begin to wrap up our study in the book of Esther with a message today titled, Remembering Deliverance. Dare to Stand is a radio outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church. Please visit daretostand.org for more details about Dr. Shaw's church or this radio program. Here's Dr. Shaw to talk about an addiction recovery ministry at his church, Northwest, called Freedom That Lasts. Hello, this is Kevin Shaw. Are you or someone you know dealing with the agony of an addiction? You cannot change what you do until you let God change who you are. 
Freedom That Lasts is a discipleship ministry of Northwest Valley Baptist Church that applies the life-transforming principles of the gospel and Christian growth to the problems of life-dominating sins and addictions. All of this happens in an atmosphere of love and accountability. If you would like to know more information about this important ministry, give us a call at 623-581-3115 or visit our website at daretostand.org. Go to the homepage and click the Discipleship Connections button. Thank you, Dr. Shaw, and please call Northwest Valley Baptist Church at 623-581-3115 or visit nwvbc.org to get more details about the Freedom That Lasts Addiction Recovery Discipleship Ministry at Northwest Valley Baptist Church. And now, let's get back to our study in Esther, as Dr. Shaw tells us more of how God moved providentially through Queen Esther to save her people. Here's our teacher. God uses, when they find out about this, of course, God uses Esther. And she goes in before the, the king who does not know that she's a Jew. Unbidden. Unrequested. Knowing that her life hangs in the balance and the king receives her. And of course, she asks the king and Haman to come to a banquet. And the king and Haman come to the banquet. And, the, and she receives the favor of the king. And the king says, listen, Esther, whatever you want to the half of the kingdom. And she knows that she has this king's favor. And so they fast. The people are fasting and praying for Esther. She asks them to another banquet. And of course, in the meantime, the king can't sleep. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, the book of Proverbs says. But it's not just the heart of the king that's in the hand of the Lord. The sleep of the king is also in the hand of the Lord. He gives us sleep. He gives us rest. He keeps us awake. And so um, he's ex the king can't sleep, can't sleep, decides what more to put you to sleep than to get out one of the history books and read a history book because history books will put you to sleep, at least for some of you. Mr. Howe isn't here. I can't pick on him. I, 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 picked on, I picked on about everybody tonight. I picked on Pastor Jason. picked on Pastor... I shouldn't have done that, by the way. Just so you know, they're going to spend all week plotting. <laughs> anyway. And so they happen to read. The passage they happen to read is the passage where Mordecai hears about this plot against the king's life. It just happens to be that he can't sleep that night. It just happens to be the passage that he decides to read the history book. It just happens to be that the section that they read is about Mordecai. It just happens to be that the king says what's been done to him. It just so happens Mordecai has not been rewarded. And so he, just, he says, who's out there in the courtyard? And Haman happens to be in the courtyard. And of course, the king says to Haman, who's there probably in the middle of the night, what should be done to the man the king delights to honor? Haman thinks it's himself. Put him on the king's horse. Put the king's robe on him. Put the king's crown on him. Have somebody lead him through. Because Haman is so arrogant. So proud. And the king looks at Haman and he says, you do that for Mordecai. And so Haman, humbled and humiliated, has to lead Mordecai through the streets. Then we come to the second banquet. And in the second banquet, the king finally says, you know, Esther, what's, what's troubling you? And, she's, and she tells the king, somebody's plotting against my whole nation. Who would be this wicked person? She says, it's this wicked Haman. King uh, Hazuerus jumps up in his anger, leaves the room. Mordecai throws himself on Esther, begging for deliverance. And the king comes back in and says, would you assault the queen in the king's household? And they put a bag over Haman's head and lead him out. And of course, they said, what should we do to Haman? And there's their gallows, uh, the spike upon which he planned to hang Mordecai 
becomes the end of Haman. But there's still this plot, this 13th day of the month in which all the people throughout all the nation of of Persia, all the kingdom of Persia, and by the way, the kingdom of Persia goes all the way from Egypt to India at this time. This was a one-day holocaust. And so the king says, you can do whatever you want. So the decree goes out, not that everything's going to stop. That seems to be the logical way for, you know, it would have been the logical way for me to think, that, you know, okay, uh, the slaughter's off. I mean, that would, that would be, send out the messenger, say the slaughter's off. But that wasn't it. They sent out the messengers to say the Jews can defend themselves. And, by the way, they find out the governmental leaders are also um, encouraged to defend them. And so what happens is the Jews gather themselves together to defend themselves. And that's where we come to this day. It was a day for self-defense. By the way, there are many who would say the slaughter that goes on, and, and it is a terrible day. It is a terrible day of bloodshed. We'll talk about the significance of it in just a moment. But the, the slaughter that goes on this day is not one where the Jews can simply turn the tables on their enemies and go out and kill everyone they don't like. That is not what happened. In fact, the wording here is very specific. It says now in the twelfth month, that is the month Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's commandment and his decree drew near to be put into execution, in that day that the enemies of the Jews hoped to have power over them, though it was turned to the contrary. The tables are turned. But the tables are not turned in the sense that they can do to everyone else what everyone else wanted to do to them, but it was, the tables were turned on their enemies. There was the destruction of those that were attacking the Jews. They were allowed to gather together into units so that they could be protected and so that they could protect their own and they could defend themselves against those who would come against them. No one died on this day that did not move against the Jews. They defeated their enemies who were attacking them. And by the way, it's very clear in this passage of Scripture, they took no spoils. It says over and over again that they did not take the prey. They, in other words, that this was not... Because remember the motivation of the Persians to kill the Jews was that you can kill them and you can take all their stuff. What a terrible way to run a country. So when the Jews gathered together to defend themselves, it says that they could defend themselves and they, they killed their enemies, those that would take their life. There's a clear biblical case here for self-defense, by the way. But, the, but not self-defense for the sake of economics. You can't, not self-defense for the sake of money. Not self-defense for the sake of stuff. Not the self-defense for the sake of getting rich. Or even getting rich as a byproduct of self-defense. And so they took no spoils. It was purely self-defense. But I, I want you to understand a little bit of the significance of this day. Because it's a day that is in, has been celebrated. And it's a day that is very important. But I, I, but I don't know if you understand the significance of it as far as human history. We have in the last century one of the great horrific events that has happened in all of human history. We call it the Holocaust. We take our seniors every year to Washington, D.C. One of the places that we go when we take our senior, seniors in Washington, D.C. is the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. I've had a chance to be to go to the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. and I've had a chance to go to the Holocaust Museum that is in Jerusalem. It was a fascinating thing to go to the Holocaust Museum that is in Jerusalem and see people standing reading names knowing that the people whose names they were reading 
were their relatives and their friends. But it wasn't just Jerusalem. We went, my wife and I went as sponsors for the trip one day and they, she got a little card. They give you a little card. It's an ID card like you would get when you're going into the prison camp. Then they take you and they put you in the elevator and the elevator's made to look like one of the cattle cars that people would, would have been carried in as they were carried to those prison camps. They gave her the little ID card, and the lady that gave her the ID card, she looked at it and she said, you need to go talk to that man. And there was an older man that was standing, working there in the museum. And so we went and talked to him, and we showed him the card, and he said this, it was his wife. The woman on the card was his wife. It was a horrible thing, six million Jews killed. You understand that that could have happened on this day, in one day. In fact, what could have happened on this day could have made it so there wouldn't have been any other days. Israel as a nation could have been, for all practical purposes, wiped out as a nation on this day. An entire nation uh, was preserved. By the way, it was a matter of self-defense. We talked about the only Persians killed were those who fought. It was a holocaust prevented. Notice the significance of this it says that on that day, roughly 75,000 of the enemies of the Jews were killed. Now, you know what's so significant about that? Their enemies were significant because here's what had happened. There was this plot to kill all the Jews, right? Pastor Shaw will share some closing thoughts about how significant it was that the Jews took out such a large number of their enemies that one day back in Esther's time. Stay tuned. You're listening to Dare to Stand, a radio ministry outreach of Northwest Valley Baptist Church in Glendale, Arizona, where our teacher, Dr. Kevin Shaw, serves as senior pastor. Northwest Valley Baptist Church is located at 4030 West Yorkshire Drive in Glendale. That's just south of the 101 at 40th Avenue. Sunday worship service is at 9.30 a.m. Adult Bible studies and Sunday school for all ages are at 11 a.m. And Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. Child care is provided for all services. Wednesday evening activities include prayer meetings, children's and teens programs. Northwest Valley Baptist Church also offers a quality traditional Christian education for your children, grades K through 12, at Arrowhead Christian Academy, located right on the church property at 40th Avenue and Yorkshire Drive. For more details about the church, kids' programs, this radio broadcast, or to register your kids for Arrowhead Christian Academy, please visit www.daretostand.org or call 623-581-3115. Dare to Stand is a listener-supported ministry. If Dr. Shaw's teaching is a blessing to you, we encourage you to take this opportunity and support this radio ministry with a tax-deductible donation of any amount. Listener donations help to pay broadcast expenses, and that helps us to keep Dr. Shaw on the air. Please call 623-581-3115 or visit daretostand.org, which will link you to the church website where you can download free copies of Pastor Shaw's sermons. Remember, you can listen to Dare to Stand Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on this same station. 
And you're always invited to visit Northwest Valley Baptist Church for Sunday morning services in person at 9.30 a.m. and Sunday evening teaching and discipleship at 6 p.m. I'm Celeste Montague. Do join us next time as we bring you our final lesson in our study of the book of Esther. Now here's Dr. Shaw to finish his thought about why it was significant that the Jews were able to defend themselves that one day back in Esther's time and defeat 75,000 of their enemies. We'll hear the concluding portion of this study next time, right here on Dare to Stand. The decree had gone out to all, to all the nations under the Persian Empire that you can kill the Jews on the 13th of the month. Then the decree goes out and says things have changed and they can now defend themselves on the 13th day of the month. And we have governmental leadership who, go, who is afraid of the Jews and people that are going out to defend the Jews. And still 75,000 went on the offensive against the Jews. How many more would have if the tide had not turned?